For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. And if you're a real degenerate, you could even bet on NBA preseason games, like Wizards against Pistons this weekend. They have everything from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino. It literally never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everybody, welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. As always, we would implore you to go on and, and hit that subscribe button, download all that good stuff. We love a five-star review if you, if you have the time to do it and tell a friend. I think the more people we have in terms of reach, uh, the easier it is for us to get bigger guests and, and more people you want to hear from. So uh, do us a favor and, and do one of those couple of options for you uh, for us. So before we get going here, the second half of this episode is going to be uh, an interview with Mo Wagner. It was right after the preseason game, so Mo had some good stuff about starting the year strong, training camp, all those things, uh, what he's binge-watching these days. It's always a fan-favorite question, so stay tuned for the second half of the episode for that. And just to start things off, Larry and I are going to talk through here the the overall preseason debut of the Wizards and and one Denny Avdia. Larry, what did you think of your first real experience with Denny in a Wizards uniform? Well, I think it's good to, to get off to that sort of start. And I'm sure he couldn't have expected anything better or he couldn't imagine it being any better than, you know, being perfect from the floor. Uh, but again, I think Brad said it good in a comment. I think there were, he was mic'd up, you know, talking about, um, you know, the good and the bad days. You know, that, that was one of the really good days. Yeah. So you can obviously take some good things away from that. He's not afraid to compete. He's going to go out there and take his shots. Uh, he's going to go out there and make some shots available to himself. When I say make some shots, it's like create some something out of out of nothing. So, you know, I was, it was good to see. Yeah, like you said, uh, he's not going to shoot six for six every night, but the shots he took, they looked pretty fluid. He, like you said, he wasn't afraid to, to take a wide open shot, which they're going to need this year. And, and Russ is going to get those guys some looks. So is Brad. So some of the other guys that played uh, minutes later in this game, they looked a little hesitant to, to pull the trigger. So I think just having the, the stones to do it is, is a, a skill in itself. Yeah, and it's, and it's early on. I mean, it, it's early on. So you got to figure when the, the main guys take the floor, you can't be afraid to, to take those shots. You can't hesitate to take those shots um, and just be sound, you know, be sound. And I saw, I saw some good things from him, for sure. I just love some of the passes he made too. Like he had a couple hockey assists. I think he only had two, yeah, two actual assists, but you know, he threw the pass that led to the other pass. And there's at least one I can think of where I want to say Thomas Bryant, like 
got fouled on a play where he probably could have like dunked it real quick and so like cost him an assist too but he was looking to move the ball and, and showed some creativity and then he like scrapped for some rebounds and and one he sort of boxed Durant out I'm like okay I like this like there's a little physicality to him I think yeah and making plays man you, you you have to have the ability to make a play and that's not just make a play for yourself but that's to get into the teeth of the defense and collapse people so you can also do your job you know as a as a mover and it's not always deal when you look at the state the stat sheet and it's like oh he only had three assists. Well, that means, you know, that doesn't mean he wasn't effective, you know, moving the ball and making plays. It's just obviously in the flow of the game, that's what happens. But we're playing into so much space, you know, those guys that are willing to make that first pass that's not necessarily an assisted pass mm-hmm. that goes on, on, their, on their books, you don't find many of those guys. So, you know, that, that's, good to, that's good to have. I was listening to another podcast and Raja Bell was talking about he was having like this preseason game where he was making everything. He had like 20 points. He was killing it. And, and he's like, man, I'm, I'm good. You know, like I'm a good player. And then he looks at, you know, they're at the free throw line or something. And, and Joe Johnson's like, shit, man, I'm just trying to get up and down the floor. Like, I don't care about stats in a preseason game. Like, can you tell us a little bit about the mindset of a, of a younger player versus a veteran in a preseason game and how much you can actually take away from some of these results? Yeah, I mean, a younger player or a guy fresh into the league, they don't know what they don't know. So they could, you know, you, you want to come out and you obviously want to show and prove that you belong. But a lot of times, obviously, the schemes are different. The players are different. Um, just the entire, you know, thought process from the other team or even sometimes from your teammates are different. Mm-hmm. But you do take those things for what they're worth. I mean, it is a, an NBA game. You are doing things that you work on in the off season. So if you're able to execute those things, uh, that that's a positive. Now, if you come to the to the you know to the meeting and nothing works, then you you really have a problem. But you know th- there is some value there. I mean, there is some value there. But as a a seasoned player in the league, preseason games mean absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. If you're a young guy, I got to imagine it's probably just like a big confidence thing. Like, okay, I belong here. Like, I'm not being played off the floor. And there were probably a few people in that game that, that you could maybe say that about a little bit, unfortunately. But I, I got to think that's the biggest thing I, I would try to take away in that situation as a young player. It's like, all right, I was out there with Kevin Durant and I wasn't embarrassed. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's those little small battles, you know, that you, you, you run into that you figure out if you had a win, you know, you had a push or you just got completely killed. And as a young player, you can go back and if you don't compete well, that older guy or that seasoned guy, he's going to somewhat have your number, mm-hmm. you know, once he sees you, you know, the first few times. But if you play well, then that guy's going to remember you. And that's that's how the league works. There's been a lot of talk about Taylor Horton Tucker for the Lakers and, and how he's maybe the next Kawhi Leonard with because he's had, you know, like three really good preseason games. And it's like the other guys are barely playing. And I think we've talked about this some on this show, like, if you give a competent player enough touches and a high enough usage rate, and not that he's not a good player, I'm not trying to disparage him, but like maybe we pump the brakes a little bit on some of the stat lines for some of these young guys. And it's just content to talk about because, you know, the, the basketball people, the, the, the basketball eyes are going to watch and know that you're going to take Kyle Kuzma, for example, who, who could be a very good player if he's given the opportunity to play basketball. But if he's put in a situation where, he's touching the basketball one out of eight times. It is what it is. 
The one thing I am curious about after this postseason or first preseason game, Scott Brooks came out and said that Denny Avdia has a good shot to be the opening day starting small forward. I can't imagine that that's based solely on his play or anyone else's play during the preseason game. I would imagine that that's a you know, a confirmation of what they saw during camp and this maybe just solidified it for them. But uh, what, what do you think really helps him be able to say that with some confidence? I think from what they've, you know, their, their scouting report and understanding what they have in stable, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you, you're not going to give that sort of vote of confidence to a, a, a guy that's just coming in, right? Because you don't want to skew his ability to work or, you know, what his thought process should actually be. So if there's no one in the stable, he's been a professional, so he's going to realize that. So in one side of his brain, he's going to expect that, you know, I'm I'm the day one guy and, you know, I'll I'll figure it out. I'll get my bumps and bruises as we go. But, you know, for somebody, you know, for a coach to come out, you know, this early, you know, that's just understanding what's, what's in the stable and, you know, the, the, the scouting report, you know, on, on that guy. Some of the other competition for that particular spot, Isak Bonga didn't have particularly a particularly great start. The The shot looked sort of slow and hitchy still, and he looked hesitant to get it off. He, he played some respectable defense like he usually does. Troy Brown finished with the good stat line. I was actually surprised looking at it after the game. He had 14 points on two or three from three. The three-point shot looked a little better, although the one he missed was really rough. Uh, six rebounds, five assists, but like his first four possessions were just as bad, uh, you know, as you can start a game. Like I'm pretty sure he fell down at one point and airballed a jump shot or got, I think Kevin Durant maybe blocked him on a fadeaway at some point. Like, is that just shaking the rust off? Is that a confidence thing? Like, you know, Troy's Troy's played a little bit now. Like I, I didn't expect to see him come out of the gates and, and look, you know, that rough. I think he's still a young player and he, I'm, I'm sure he has some things that he wants to prove. And those can be, you know, just nerves that are uncontrollable nerves, right? That'll get you moving faster than what you really need to move. And we talk all the time on this show just about pace and how important just sure just pace is in the NBA game and how these guys, either they have it or they don't have it. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them can learn to understand what it, what it really means, but it's a natural ability to move at a certain cadence to, be effective on the court and whether that's passing, whether that's shooting the ball, whether that's creating for your teammates or even playing defense, you know, for that matter. And just remember that these guys are playing in the game. So, so as fans and, and the media, we, we get to see them in the game, but the coaches that are doing the individual workouts, the coaches that are at practice, like they see what they see. Mm-hmm. And if they feel like this guy can help them in the scheme of what they're doing, Sometimes it's it's not just about that one game or, you know, that stat line that was incredible because it's an overtime sort of information that they're building, you know, that's done in, pl- in practice. And growing up, you always heard, if you can't perform in practice, you can't perform in games. That's not always true because these are professional guys. But over time, I mean, being consistent in practice and getting your job done, that's where the evaluation process starts. So I we look at like if a guy is doing well in the preseason games and try to see if those stats will transfer. Well, the coaches are seeing everything on the day to day. So they know that it's, you know, it's probably not. Do you ever have any teammates that were like, you always hear these stories about like this guy kills it in practice. And then 
you just can't put it all together in like actual game. Do you ever play, I mean, you don't have to throw anybody under the bus or anything, but do you ever have guys that were just like, why can't this dude put it all together once we start playing for real? Yeah, I think there's like two or three on, on each year I played on, on every roster. I would assume that there's two or three guys on every roster that you're like, man, in practice, we know exactly what we're going to get. And when he's in the game, it's it's different. The nerves are different. The anxiety is different. It's just a different sort of, you know, it's a different sort of vibe. But yeah, for, for sure. If, if if I pulled up the rosters that I had, I can point out, you know, at least two, three guys that was like, yo, in practice, <laughs> he was a killer. But in, in the game, it, it didn't happen. I always remember in college, like I had some, you know, friends around the the Maryland team and stuff, and some of the managers and things like that. And there was one guy that was sitting out a year, like his transfer year. And they're like, trust me, when this guy plays next year, he's going to be unreal. He is destroying everybody. And he never ended up doing anything of particular note. And that's one of those things that always just sort of amazed me. And I couldn't tell if it was like, maybe he's just comfortable doing it against his teammates or it's a nerves thing or whatever it is. But you hear a lot of good things from the coaching staff about certain players and how they've looked. Like Bonga particularly is is a guy they all rave about. And and I'm starting to wonder if that's like them trying to like gas him up and and give him a little confidence or something because it doesn't always translate out on the court at least. Well, yeah, again, that's like the controlled environment of, of practice, understanding both teams are running the same exact theme, thing on offense and defense. So you, you're a little bit smarter than what you normally are. In an you actual the scouting you know, report on everyone. <laughs> yeah, so you pretty much know you just have to play and be at a high, a, a high level. You know, be consistently at a high level. You know, and practice in order to get your job done. So sometimes I've heard it both ways. Like you know, sometimes it transfers over, sometimes it doesn't. But it really just depends on the skill level of the player. Really, I mean, can they dribble, pass, and shoot the basketball? Is is very important. Uh, one person who did not look scared out there at all was uh, second-year player Rui Hachimura. He had, I think, 18 points, hit three of his four threes. Like, the jump shot just looks, you know, more smooth. The thing I liked most is they put Spencer Dinwiddie on him a couple times, and and he was like, all right, give me the ball on the block. Like, I'm, I'm putting this guy in the post. Like, I'm not, like, anti-mid-range, you know, but it was nice to see him take advantage of the opportunities that presented themselves over the game and, and not really sort of force a lesser efficient shot, I guess. I think that's it. You know, just take advantage of the situation. And he, and he has a mature game. I mean, he's, he doesn't tend to get, you know, get sped up. I mean, he, he plays at a, at, a, at a nice speed and that'll allow him to recognize like a mismatch. You know I mean? Just take the, know that if you have a, a smaller guy on you, you don't have to shoot it from the mid-range spot. But if you draw two, you draw one and a half, you know, then you can make that kick pass. And I think he's smart enough to, to do that. And I think he's going to have to do that. I think he's going to be one of those players that are going to have to, you know, play that three, four spot. I mean, no, no doubt about it. You know, at this point, you know, the, the makeup of the team, he's going to have to, to bring on and, and play that role. So he seems locked in as the starting, you know, power forward. If Denny Avdi is next to him, there's probably some you know, interchangeability there in terms of matchup, but the the defense still didn't look great. You know, the effort was there. Obviously, Kevin Durant looked reasonably back to old Kevin Durant. So if he's doing his thing, you're not really going to guard him particularly effectively anyway, but he looked physical rebounding and like trying to mix it up and stuff too. And, and at least you didn't always see that last year. So maybe that's just 
something we can look forward to is, is maybe that'll just sort of work itself out over the course of the year. Well, I, I think they're going to need a, a defensive anchor. I mean, they're playing in so much space. I mean, these guys are playing in so much space that it's just really big to have, you know, sound rotations. And if someone is willing, if he's willing to, to not allow, you know, one dribble, you know, penetration, you know, to score, then you have to rely on those anchors that are, that calls for rotations. And I think that that's what's going to make this team better. It's not going to necessarily be – it is an individual thing, obviously. I mean, when you have to take take it upon yourself, but it is hard to guard, and there's so much space out there. So I don't necessarily fault these guys for not looking great on defense, but you have to understand if, as an individual, if I'm not looking good on defense, it's because the team behind me is not – making the proper rotation. So that's where the conversation of accountability has to start. If a guy's showing effort, then we have to focus on what is our, what is our defensive anchor? Who's going to be our defensive anchor so we could help the helper as much as possible because it is, it is hard to guard. Do you see a particular person on this roster that you think can be that guy? Like, can Rui be that guy? Is it Bonga? Is it, I mean, I mean, if you had to pick, who's the guy that, that we need to step up there? And I think it's, it's based on positioning and, and who's out there on the court because if you, if you have a wing, uh, they're, they, they a lot of times get caught in that rotation, so it's tough for them to necessarily be that anchor. Hmm. But when you're playing small ball and you're playing you know, that traditional power forward at the five spot, I mean, that's the guy that you look to be that anchor because now you're talking about the ability to, to switch and to rotate. Mm-hmm. So I think Rui could be that guy. I mean, I, he's a younger guy, but he he's, seems to be very smart and has a mature game. But he can be one of those guys because it, it, it can obviously be more than, than one person. But he, he can definitely be one of those guys um, that's an anchor guy because he can cover so much ground and he can guard multiple positions. Uh, one of the other people, again, we'll have an interview coming up from Mo Wagner, but but Mo had a pretty good first game, uh, 13 points, seven rebounds. He looked like the the Mo we saw to start last year, not the one we saw at the end of the season and then heading into the bubble. Is it just so like sometimes it's just you need like an off season to sort of reset from a confidence standpoint? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you don't know exactly what's going on with the guy. I mean, especially when you talk about being injured and, and coming back from, from multiple injuries and things that, that linger on that are just frustrating. And it's it's tough to compete at a high level when it's just something that's just nagging you and it's, that's bothering you. So you do take that into account. And, and also just the ability to reflect and just to let your body rest because, I mean, He's a high motor guy. I mean, he's a he's a guy that's going to irritate the hell out of out of his opponents because he's going to crash the boards every time. He's going to make every hard cut, and he's going to push up on you on defense as well uh, by making sure he has a hand on you. Uh, so just having the ability to be healthy, I think, is is going to be huge for him, and that's something that you can't always control. He talks a little bit about how his role changed when he came back from injury. You know, like the team moved on a little bit without him during those twenty games out or or whatever it was, and. You know, I got to imagine every year at like training camp, the coaching staff is like, hey, here's what we want you to do. And maybe that's some amount of of level setting. But for him, I, I thought it was an encouraging sign that he was just like the first big off the bench. You know, like I, I wondered what the Robin Lopez addition would mean for for his minutes and stuff like that. But I don't know, maybe you can't read too much into who gets subbed into a preseason game first. Yeah, because I think they're probably, you know, obviously they're thinking about combinations and mm-hmm. you know figuring out 
who's actually healthy to, to play, who's going to finish out the game, how many minutes those guys are going to play, you know, totally. So you take it for what it's worth on the preseason substitutions. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because at some point the lineup was Cassius Winston, Garrison Matthews, Bonga, Wagner, and Robin Lopez. And that's a lineup I very much hope I never see in meaningful minutes at any point during the season. It was rough. Yeah, no, those, those are things that, that happen in the preseason. It's like, okay, you get a turn. All right, well, well you get a turn. Oh, well, you go in. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you go in this time. And that's really, you know, especially with this condensed, you know, sort of preseason, you know, games are coming. They only play a couple preseason games. It's, it's, it's very, it's, it's odd. I mean, it's, it's, it's different. I mean, the, the whole thing has been different, but this is very different as far as just the number of preseason games that you'll play. And, you know, normally you'll play, if you have, if you have four, you play the second one, you know, maybe some of the third and don't play the fourth, but the season comes so fast that you're probably going to have to ramp up and, you know, not play one and two, play three and four. That's going to make the most sense to me. I was uh, not particularly high on on the Lopez signing, not adding him to the team, but for the dollar amount they did it and things like that. But I wasn't particularly encouraged by how he looked during this preseason game. He, he looked a little slow. He looked a little rusty. Again, maybe as a veteran, that's just playing his way into form. But he been, he, He's been slow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He, he, he looked extra slow a couple times. And, like, he did, like, the old man sort of scoop into hook shot and like it barely drew like rim at a certain point i'm just like oh boy all right this is our seven million dollar backup okay but uh it was encouraging to hear uh, mo talk about how good robin has looked in practice like unsolicited just said like hey that guy's really tough to guard he's got like crafty old man moves you know like he was breaking the hooks out and stuff like that so so hopefully that's more of a reflection of what we get this season than than what we saw the in the first game. Yeah, just remember it's practice and his teammates are probably moving out of the way. That's a really big guy. <laughs> you want to catch an elbow in the head, yep. you know, during practice. So he's probably getting a few things a little easier than than what the actual game is going to be. I mean, yep. that's just some you have to keep an eye on that one. Sure. I mean, that that's something that you have to keep an eye on because you know, Every spot matters. Each dollar matters at this point. And you just obviously as you're building and you're instilling confidence in the fan base and the, and, and the, the players that are, that are on for the long haul, you know, everything has to make sense, you know, especially in the first two, three years. Everything has to make sense. I was reasonably encouraged by Raul Neto's play. Uh, he, he just looked solid. He looked like pace. We've, we talk about a lot. He he didn't look like anybody was going to speed him up. He he looked sort of unbothered, and he took a little heat on Twitter and stuff like that because, like, Kyrie Irving had so many points early. But a couple times he played really good defense and just sort of put his palms up after because when, when you have a guy like Kyrie, I, I don't know that the defense actually matters all that much sometimes. Yeah, no, you just hoop. I mean, you just hoop. You, you know, you don't worry about if a guy's scoring. You don't put your palms up. Like, you just hoop. And, you know, like I said, your, your anchors are behind you. You're going to do the best job that you can, especially a name like Kyrie. I mean, guarding that guy in space is, is, is about as impossible as it, as it comes, you know, on, on the basketball floor. And you hoop, right? You make it tough on everybody, but you don't get in a situation where you, like, you don't have any answers because you do. You keep, you keep going. Do you ever have to guard Kevin Durant at any point, Larry? Early on. 
you know, early on, and I, I tried him. He tried me, you know, a few times. I mean, a guy that was with so much length, I mean, you, you think that you could sneak a shot over him and he'll stretch out, or you think that you're right there to contest the shot and he uncoils, you know, just a little bit more. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the guys. I mean, that's another talent that you don't, you know, you don't get upset because he, he had 30. I mean, as long as he's, he's taking at least 20 shots, but he's going to get what he's going to get. Is that a dude, like, the first time you play him, you just sort of know, like, this guy's going to be insanely good? Well, I, I, thought he was, I thought he was thin, but I was thin. And that's, you know, Rip Hamilton was thin. Mm-hmm. And it's not about that sort of strength. If you have the size that he has, the wingspan, and just the, the sheer ability, that was my only thought when I saw him, like, he's thinner than I was, you know, <laughs> coming in. But as far as, you know, just his ability – to shoot the basketball and play with length. And then when the rules kind of start to go in that direction of the offensive player is king, unstoppable. By the time folks hear this, the Wizards will either be playing or have played their second preseason game this time against the Detroit Pistons. Uh, At the time of this recording on uh, Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, uh, Russell Westbrook was supposed to sit out. Davis Bertans was supposed to sit out. And then, the following guys were all game time decisions. Bradley Beal for rest. Rui Hachimura had an issue with his eye. Berton's undisclosed Ish Smith lower body injury. Uh, so it, it might be another one of those lean, uh, lean rosters, but it'll be a good chance to evaluate some of the younger guys. Hopefully we'll have another strong Denny Avdia performance to talk about. But the team also already came out and said that Russell Westbrook won't play the second night of back-to-backs. Is that just a precaution because the guy's 32, has had knee surgeries already, and he, and he plays real physical? Or, or I mean, what are, what are we doing here? Like, should we be worried about this already? Already? I mean, like, already we know, like, even if we had a blowout win, you know, the night before, he's just not going to play. I don't like that. I mean, I, I understand well, I it. That, yeah, I understand that there's science there, um, but I don't think it's necessary. You know, I, I don't think it's necessary. I have no idea why this early on mm-hmm. that we would set that expectation. So it just send it, it doesn't send the, the the right message to to our team or what we're building. If a guy has to sit, like everybody's going to respect that. But just to know that a guy is not going to play the second night, and I don't know how many back to backs that you know that there will be or whatever the case is, but it just sends a bad message on what we're here for. I understood it a little bit more when they said it about Wall. Like, hey, we're going to be cautious early. We're going to try to keep his minutes at a certain level. And it at least sort of justified, like, the Raul Neto signing a little bit more. You know, like, I got that more so in context. The Westbrook one, I was like, we haven't played a single game yet, and we're already, like, giving everyone a heads up that this is going to happen. Like you said, I don't really get it. If if he needs to sit, he needs to sit. And halfway through the year, you can say, yeah, that was always sort of the plan, but we were going to play it by year. Like, you know, what if you have a winnable game on the second night of a back-to-back and he feels good? You've already kind of established that. It just seems like a weird choice. Well, you, you got to understand what, what sort of pressure that also puts on Brad, you know, being in the backcourt. I mean, that, that that has to put some more, you know, wear and tear on him as well. Um, you know, so you don't sacrifice one guy to to – Low manage, I guess that's what it, that's what it's called. Another guy. I'm not with that one. And let's just all take the second night of back to backs off, and we'll we'll just you know we'll we'll just rest that one. Try harder the next night. Uh, last thing I got for you, real quick, before we get out of here. 
it's also sort of been leaked out, I guess. And we've talked a lot about how things leak out and who they leak out from or whatever, but it's come out that Russell Westbrook was unhappy with the relaxed culture in Houston and the way uh, James Harden was sort of able to get away with everything and, and seeing Harden, you know, there's been that, that shot on Twitter that's going around of, of him uh, looking a little frumpy. What do you make of that whole situation? I, I think that there's truth to it. I think there's truth to, you know, the, the situation. Like I, we talked about with, with Brad and, and, and John, as far as to, you know, being friends off the court and mm-hmm. not just gelling or, or making it make sense on the court. It's the same situation with Russ and, and James. I mean, when they were best buddies. They couldn't wait to play with each other. And he got into that situation. was like, hold, hold on. This is not how he's operated, you know, over the course of his career. And it's not that he doesn't like James. But as far as his work environment, that's not something that, that he was interested in doing. So from what I'm hearing, that he asked to, to be moved, you know, once all the chips started to fall. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it makes sense. It makes sense that James is going to have the operation run how James needs the operation to run because he is the talent. It's just a matter of now just how do you transition from – being that sort of person or being in that situation to now either have a different player want to come play with you or what's even crazier is for you to try to go and play your style of basketball with one or two other guys that are really, really good. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the interesting part. And and that'll be kind of the tale of, of how, how James career is, is his story is told. This is the second time this has kind of like baffled me a little bit though in the last two weeks. Like you've heard reporting come out now that all of the Clippers were pissed about the star treatment that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George got. And again, I'm not in NBA locker rooms. I didn't play, you know, 13 years in the league like you did, but it would seem pretty obvious to me that the best two or three guys on the team are not treated like the 10th, 11th, 12th guys on the team. So I'm just surprised that this is a shocking to everyone and as big a deal as it's been the last couple of weeks. Like this isn't new, right? Well, I, I think it, it, it is a little bit new, right? I, I think because Kawhi's been in a couple one-year situations where in Toronto obviously was going and they didn't really know, but I'm sure that he got all of the star treatment that, that he wanted, you know, and they were, they were able to give him. And the same with the Clippers. He hasn't really been there. Right. To to do a lot of these things. I mean, I, you know, the, the time it's coming, you know, he'll he'll have, you know, years and years, I believe, with the Clippers and all of that, all of those things that make sense. But normally when a star player is there or the couple players, are, they've been there, you know, year after year. Right. And so management staff, trainers, ticket people, travel people, they know this player. And a lot of times that's where those perks come in is because the organization knows that player. They know that they want the suite, you know, when they go to this, you know, hotel or they know when they go to this city, they want to stay in this hotel versus that hotel. And I think that those are the perks that we've been accustomed to. It's new, like dudes taking helicopters to a little extreme. Yeah. That's, that's different. Like that, that is different for me. Like I'm like, okay, I took a commercial plane home on an off day, but to do that day in and day out, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's different. 
And, but that's where we're at, you know, in, in, in this, in this time, but perks have been, been there, you know, for as long as we can remember. Yeah. To your point, I think previously you had a lot of homegrown stars that paid their dues. They grew into that sort of star treatment this new kind of player movement era, this isn't going anywhere. Like guys, guys are going to have to get used to that. I think, I, I don't know. I just, that's why I give somebody like a LeBron, a lot of credit. You, you don't really hear any complaints coming out of the, like the Laker locker room that, you know, they're waiting for him. Uh, maybe they are waiting for him for flights and stuff like that, but you don't hear it. So maybe winning cures everything, I guess. Yeah. And you usually hear those stories after the guy leaves. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> So there's there's usually a leak after the guy is, is is gone or you know some some drama is going on then there's all of this information that's been kind of floating out there but Bron will make you wait Bron Bron has you know all the exclusive perks that you can have you know as far as being you know that guy but again he takes he respects um, he respects those things and he respects his teammates and I think that that's you know that's the what's what's different. Is that part of it? Like if, if you're Kawhi and you're at least like you recognize that with your teammates and, and uh, you know, when you get this next commercial deal, you're throwing the guys beat, you know, like they always talk about LeBron was giving everybody the latest beats by Dre and things like that to like, you know, keep his teammates happy and engaged and stuff like that. If you're going to be the star, you got to be the star. If you're going to be the star, like the 12, 13, 14, you know what they're making, you know how hard it is for them. Like, Gatorade needs a few extra bodies, whatever, like they're in it. Nike needs a, a couple extra bodies, like they're in it. And Bron's done that. Like Bron's, Bron's done that, you know, year after year. I can't, probably can't count the number of teammates he's included in, you know, the things that, that he's done, uh, including a, a few other players as well. For you, anything uh, you want to throw out here or, or give folks a heads up to look out for in, in tonight's game against the Pistons? Uh, no, just, you know, obviously it's the preseason and some teams are playing three, some teams are playing four. Um, it's just really, you know, not necessarily looking at the stat sheet, you know, not necessarily, you know, going line by line to see what the stats are, just really using the eyeball test to figure out what you see. Because I think that this team is building and it's not set on day one. It could look different, you know, 15 days into the season. So uh, just being patient and taking a look at what's there no time to set the house on fire just yet. I like it. Stay calm, everybody. All right, uh, we're going to take a little mini break here, and the next voice you hear after this break will be Wizard Center Mo Wagner. All right, welcome to Believe in Wizards. This week we're joined by special guest, Wizard Center Mo Wagner. Mo, you had 13 points, 7 rebounds, and 18 minutes in the first preseason game. How did it feel to get back out on the court? Um, it was fun, honestly. Um I was super excited to kind of get the first one down. Um, and I think everybody was relieved that uh, we're back in game mode and season mode, you know. And um, it's it's a fun group. So uh, I'm excited to be part of it. We always like to start with the hard-hitting journalism stuff out of the gate here. So first, Rui Hachimura and then Bradley Beal both copy you and join Jordan Brand. What's their deal there? What's going on with these guys? I guess um, I guess I'm so swaggy. You just want to be part. No, I don't know. It's uh, it's fun. It's obviously with Russell coming in too. It's it's fun to have like kind of a uh, Jordan community going on, and we always talk about shoes and the team. So it's cool. It's cool to to, to have some uh, company. So yeah, how was your off season overall? Anything 
you know, in particular you worked on that, that people are going to be surprised to see that you've added to your repertoire or, or anything like that, or kind of more of the same? Honestly, I think, I mean, when I've, I've, I've been in the league for two years now, it's, uh, I probably won't come back in the summer out of the summer and be a different player. Mm-hmm. It's more about being consistent in what you do and kind of know your role and play that really well. And um, for me this year, it was very important to kind of create a consistency in the off season. And obviously, I was given a weird situation my first off season just because I got traded. So a lot, a lot of stuff going on. But um, this year it was important to me just to be consistent. Whatever happened, so I went home. Given the situation with Corona, I went home pretty quick after the bubble, and I almost stayed there for three and a half months or something. Nice. Um, and kind of created a very, very consistent workout routine that paid off. And um, I was very happy with that because I could kind of combine work and family. And I could I was able to take some time off in the beginning too. So it was really good. It was a good off season. Was it easier to find uh, access to a court whenever you wanted to over there or, or things similar in Germany? Honestly, it's not as easy as you might think um, just because – it was in season, so the courts were used by the teams, the youth teams. But I know some people, obviously, in Berlin so um, that I'm still in touch with. So it was um, – I had a great weight coach, strength and conditioning coach that I came worked with every day. That was kind of my focus because I've re- realized that you can work out all you want. If you're not – like, if you hurt, like, all the working out won't help you anyway. So sure. you got to make sure you, you're healthy. So that was, like, my main focus and then – I worked out during the week uh, in, in gyms, kind of bouncing around in Berlin. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it was cool. It was exciting to kind of go back to the roots. I don't typically compliment other guys on their physiques, but uh, you and Thomas Bryant specifically are, are looking pretty jacked this year. Was getting stronger to take on the, you know, the rigors of the NBA uh, priority? I appreciate that. First of all, I don't hear that much. There so that's a, new one. that's a new one for me. Um, but – no, I, people keep telling me that. I, I appreciate it. I mean, I guess, honestly, a big part, the consistency plays a huge role on that. Mm-hmm. Like, just knowing that you get your work in every day and having a routine and then also getting the time off mentally because the season is so draining that you can't always talk basketball. You got to get away too, but at the same time, kind of like you know what your focus is, you know? So to put that on your on your body and then uh after i was done in germany i went over after they announced the season i went over to los angeles and kind of like got some runs in just mm-hmm. to play so i show up in shape uh basketball shape coming here to dc and it, it worked out perfectly fine and obviously staying healthy is, is key, a key part of this you mentioned consistency and that's one of the you know, main things we want to talk to you about, like you, you came out of the gates really strong last year and, you know, got a little banged up along the way, dealt with some injuries. And it, it seemed like that kind of threw you off. And, and the second half of the season, you can tell me if this is fair or not, maybe wasn't as consistent as the first half. So it was that a big focus is just trying to be the same player from, from game one to game 72 in this year's case. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, that plays – that's in the back of my head, even though I don't really try to look at results as much mm-hmm. and more kind of try to listen to myself and how I feel. But, I mean, it's obvious that I didn't feel as comfortable the second half of the season. That had a lot of reasons. But um, also, like, in my role, I think, um, being hurt 
it played a role for sure. Then you're out for two or three months and then you come back and the team has kind of shifted. Uh, the dynamics have changed a little bit and then you got to find your new role and kind of blend in right away. And then in addition to that, there are expectations all of a sudden. So it's like a lot going on. And in addition to that, I'm a young player, you know, like I'm, this was my second year. So there's a lot of stuff I still have to figure out and um, I'm happy I had that experience. So, and honestly, I go day by day enjoying this job and trying to get better. Any uh, crafty old man veteran moves that you picked up from Robin Lopez so far? Dude, this guy, we have practice today. I think it like, is that, is that guy who catches it in the post? Like, good luck. He's just so big and so, so his, his, uh, his uh, uh, wrist is so smooth. Like, his hook is unguardable. So, good luck stopping that when he catches the ball in the paint. Uh, you got to get creative there. He's also a hilarious guy. So, it's uh, fun to be around him. It just seems uh, from media availability and things like that that there's, I don't know, a different energy, a different buzz this year in this year's camp, maybe compared to last year's. Does that feel that way to you guys? Or is that just sort of something us media folks make up? I mean, you guys do make a lot of, up a lot <laughs> of stuff. So, uh, but I, I agree. I would agree with that one, honestly. I, I, because it's just, I don't know. It's, it's just different. Like you, I remember looking at this, like last year it was just, man let's like we're a young team nobody is like looking at us let's let's prove somebody wrong and this year it's it's more the mentality of man let's do something for real like I think everybody's tired of being the team that's being looked at as a as a losing record team you know and uh, I mean I know for myself I can say for myself I haven't won anything in my career so far in the NBA and I'm usually not used to that so I'm excited to make the playoffs and then see how that feels um like I'm really excited to be part of a group that expects to go to the playoffs and that sets the standard in practice according to that. And I'm super hyped to be, to be here. It, it felt like that even before the addition of, of Russell Westbrook, but does he kind of ratchet that up for you guys? I mean, I think one of the things it's, it's pretty clear he brings is a certain level of energy and intensity. Yes. The, the, I mean, Russell is obviously great, um, has been a great teammate so far. I love how he like, holds everybody accountable, including himself. And it's, it's, it, he brings a lot of energy to the table. I don't want to say different because I never got to play with John and I never got to practice with John for real. So I don't want to say anything wrong there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ne- unfortunately never got the privilege to play with him. So I don't want to compare the two. I, I just know Russell brings extreme energy every day and, um, kind of expects that from people and raises other people's energy too another one of those media things there's been a lot of talk about oh, good. Uh, don't the, worry the, the uh the international component of the team or international makeup of the team is that something you guys think about at all or care about at all like does it make your life any easier that there are other folks that you know that are originally from europe or came from overseas or anything like that it's a good it's a good question i don't i don't know if it makes life easier but it, I, I appreciate that there are so many different perspectives and I think that blends in really well on the court. Like I realized that with Davis last year, I could just tell the guy, like he just moves different because he learned it differently, you know? And um, if you, if you connect that with the, I don't know, kind of savviness or toughness uh, that American players might have, you know, this might be a little cliche, but it's so like it blends in on, we all play the same sports, but I don't think, 
And also, we always talk about that because I went to college, even though I'm from Europe and Davos, for example, is didn't go to college. And we basically in the same team right now. It's so funny how these different pathways come together. And um, yeah, it's I don't know. It's a funny fact. We might be the team with the most international players in the league. We might have to. You got to be close, I would think. Yeah. Dallas, yeah. Dallas always seems to be up there. True. Dallas and Dispers for some reason. Uh, you guys have a lot of shooters. I mean, obviously, you can shoot at a high level. Thomas Bryant for, for bigs. Shoot, you guys shoot at a really high level. Um, obviously, Davis, Rui's three-point uh, shot looks, you know, uh, bet improved this year. Is is that going to be – does that make you guys extremely tough for teams to match up with when, you know, anybody you cycle in can kind of stretch the floor and spread things out? Yeah, I think – I mean, that we saw that last year. I think offense ain't the problem. <laughs> Like last year, I think, especially in the beginning of the season, we were leading the league offensively um, over stretches of the year. So I do think there's a really high level of confidence on the offensive end. I think something we really have to lock into, and that really has been the the focus and practice is defensively um, we have to improve because we were in the last third there in almost every category and you can't win anything if you if you don't pick it up on that end so i think that's something we all locked into but i think there's a very high level offensively uh, shooting as well as getting into the pain scoring different ways and i i'm not concerned about that end whatsoever yeah, when in doubt the- pass it to bradley beal and he'll make something happen you know i mean it's not a bad plan b exactly <laughs> One of the things you hear from fans is that, uh, you know, for as many good things as you guys bring to the table, neither you or, or, or Thomas are like traditional shot blockers, I, I would say. But can you talk about how there's more to rim protection than than just blocking shots, like the way you took a lot of charges last year or just yeah. keeping guys out of the paint in general? Well, I think it's always interesting to talk about that because I've never been a like impressive shot blocker. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really have the timing or the athleticism to do that. Um, for me, it's always been, and I've never, you kind of got to find a niche and um, whether that's taking charges or contesting shots at a high level and walling up guys, uh, which is extremely hard if athletic guards or bigs get down in the paint that's something you got to do on a consistent basis, though. Like one block shot might sound cool and like gives you a lot of energy. I'm not trying to downplay that, but doing that, like doing protecting the rim on a consistent level, is so underrated, I think. And something I look at that I want to improve extremely, just because. I mean, I took a lot of charges last year, and that 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 that, that does sound cool, but I tried at least the double amount of charges that I took. So sure. those are blocking fouls. And then it kind of takes away from the charge that you actually get. You know what I mean? So you, you got to be effective with what you're trying to do and be consistent with it as well. So there's a lot of room for improvement there. How do you defend better without fouling? Is that watching a lot of footage, like knowing the scouting reports better, or just knowing tendencies in the league and stuff like that? Honestly, I think it's 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 something between the ears, um, knowing how to get away with stuff, but also that comes with experience, but also like just knowing what to do and what not to do. Um, I think I get caught up sometimes emotionally and let my offense dictate defense or sometimes I just have blanks and then I foul stupidly. So those are things I work on in practice, obviously, and in games too. And um, that's something going forward 
I have to get better at period. So um, that will always be a topic that I'm very alert of. When the team uh, signed Robin Lopez during free agency, that was one of the things Tommy Shepard talked about was his ability to kind of help you guys with, with those sort of things too and impart some knowledge. Is that something you guys have already talked a little bit about in, in terms of what you can take away from him, You know, maybe protecting the rim but not necessarily blocking a lot of shots to do so? Yeah, I mean, just having a vet. And I felt with that, like that with Jan last year as well, mm-hmm. just knowing like it's not always about who's playing. It's about like how what, what, make the best out of the situation for the teams and yourself's future. So, um, I mean, Robin's extremely – like he's the pure team player. What I mean by that, like he's offensively, he's trying to block and seal 24-7 or duck in and like – it's it's incredible like you can learn so much from him and um super willing to talk to you and it's it's awesome to have a guy like that and in addition to that he's freaking hilarious so it's uh it's fun to work with him any uh fake wrestling choreography that's happened or anything yet this uh, this year oh, with robin true that's him huh i don't know that's gonna be interesting i mean uh seems like that's his thing uh we'll see if we i hope we have a mascot i don't even know with all the stuff going on this year in brooklyn they didn't have a mascot so we'll see but um he brings a lot more to the table than just wrestling the mascot <laughs> definitely uh last thing here and i'll get you out of here how how are you guys feeling going into the season you've got the covid stuff looming would you guys have preferred to be in a bubble again? Do you like this? Like, how how's just the sort of team dynamic and mood with, uh, you know, kind of COVID lingering in the background? I think, I mean, obviously there, there are these side effects of COVID, for example, like testing every day and certain protocols you got to go through and certain things that are not normal. But I think we passed the point of complaining about it. Um, it's more about like being a professional and kind of taken as is your new reality and work with it. I mean, it can't be an excuse anymore. I will tell you that me personally, I don't know how the rest feels like, but I can, I'm confident there were people that agree with me. I, the bubble was okay. And as we did it, it wasn't bad, but like, I prefer this for sure. Being in my own, being able to sleep in my own bed and, being able to travel that's just that's just a refresher for the mind too if you if you're playing in Barclays instead of the same arena every night or if you're in a hotel or if you you know like it's just different if you move so um i there are rules and all that stuff but you like you just got to take it as a new reality and kind of move on from the whole thing it will get better all right, I got one more quick one for you. No, Has anyone no in the Wizards scouting department picked your brain about this Franz Wagner fellow at Michigan and, and what he could do for an <laughs> NBA team? Um, yeah, I, I, obviously last year that stuff started. Um, I uh, I always talk about my brother, obviously. Um, I talk to – it's funny, like once you're in the league, like you realize how much people actually watch basketball. <laughs> it's incredible. So people come up to me all the time and – I talk about it and I'm excited for him to obviously make that next step. But first I want him to kind of cherish what he's doing right now. So um, he won't feel any pressure or rush there from my side and I support him whatever he does. And I'm happy to see him play every day. So 
Um, makes me very happy that he feels comfortable over there and um, makes me happy to turn on the team and watch him play. As a Maryland fan, I hope the only bad game he has all year is against Maryland. So He plays – uh, they lost last night against Rutgers. I saw that. That was tough. That was a tough Rutgers one. is good. They are. Yeah, Big Ten is tough. But um, I'm excited for him to, to be healthy and to be able to play, man. It's a blessing to be just able to play. I You keep forgetting that, like, with all the stuff going on. Man, just being healthy is so great. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's great for, for fans to have you guys back on the court, too. It's a nice distraction for, for sure. everybody. And No, 100%. Uh, glad you guys are healthy. We're all looking forward to a, a good season here. And, and, Mo, before we let you go, anything you want to plug on your end, anything else you got going on, or anything you want to uh, leave fans with before we call it a wrap? Uh, no, my side is actually pretty mellow right now. I'm, you know, I'm, I live by myself, so. I ain't got much going on, but practicing, going to do my job and uh, watching my show at night. And then sometimes I have family there for Christmas probably, but we'll see. I mean, I got nothing going on. I hope everybody's doing well. And I hope at some point this year we'll have fans in the in the stands again. I hope that. So, What's the show? Oh. What are you binging? What are you you got to leave everybody with a tip. Jesus, I can't, I can't even say that. It's so embarrassing. I'm watching. Um, I'm a softie, so I watch the OC right now. Oh, there it's, you go. It's, it's such a soft show, but the, fir- it's the first two seasons are so good, though. <laughs> I'm watching it. It's so soft. It's probably I'm way too old for this, but it's the best. Um, so yeah, it's kind of my day. Basketball and the OC. It's kind of embarrassing to admit, but whatever. <laughs> I like it, man. No judgment here. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> cool. Uh, Mo, thank you for your time. Good luck. Beat up on uh, Detroit for us a couple times this week, please. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Stay <laughs> safe and wear your masks on there. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done